Um, good to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. Um, could you please tell us a little bit more about yourself? Of course. Uh, my name is Alana. I'm a registered dietitian who's lost 100 pounds with my system called the 2B Mindset, and it's now helped over 250,000 other people, and I've turned it into a best-selling book. Very, very cool. So uh, I know you have shared your story like probably a million times already, but um, I think everyone who is listening to this would really love to hear like, how the hell did you make that happen? Like losing a hundred pounds. This is like of a course. big, big number. So uh, yeah. <laughs> share your story with us, please. Go ahead. Yes, of course. Uh, I was very overweight as a kid. As early as four years old, I started eating emotionally when my parents were getting divorced and we were moving a lot. And I was just eating lots and lots of food in front of the television, not really paying attention. And I kept getting bigger and bigger. And at eight years old, my doctor sent me to weight loss camp, which people know at as eight fat years old. at eight years old, I went to fat camp for nine weeks in the summer and I had to eat. And, and sorry to interrupt, but, but where like parents also obese and uh, your, 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 your brothers or sisters? Yeah, everyone struggled with their weight. My parents did every single diet in the book, but nothing really works and nothing worked at the time, especially. And I would watch them do every fad diet, every Atkins, South Beach cleanse, anything that was popular they would do, which is like today, paleo, keto, all of that stuff. I would see them lose weight. I'd see them gain it all back and more. So they didn't really have another solution for me. So they just kept sending me to fat camp every summer. I would lose weight and I would just gain it all back and more. And so I kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger year after year. And at 12. How long was this phase? Oh, uh, this was like six, seven, maybe eight years. I would go to camp and then gain it all back and more every school year because you can gain a lot more in 10 months, Hardy, than you can lose in two months of the summer. And, 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 and like how, um, how, how tall are you and how was your weight like back then? So. Yeah. I was five foot, two inches tall, and I weighed 215 pounds. That's more than me, man. <laughs> That's yeah. a lot. Yeah. yeah. So so how was your diet like back then? Oh, like like I, yeah, eating pancakes? With, yeah. It you was to, bad. It was bad. I used to I used to live in New York City. And I would walk myself to school and there was a deli on the on the corner of 72nd Street. And I would buy myself a Snickers ice cream bar and eat that for breakfast, even in the winter. Uh, and it was like this ice cream bar. And then I was in eighth grade and we used to sell a lot of food for yearbook and for our eighth grade graduation trip and everything. And we used to sell these big doughy bread rolls and I would just like eat them while walking home. And then, you know, sometime a part of me felt like I was actually healthy in a way because I had so many nutrition classes from weight loss camp every summer. And I had to meet with so many dietitians and nutritionists as a kid. So a part of me sometimes felt like I was the healthy one of my friends. Like they would have one slice of pizza and I would say, oh, I can't have pizza. Instead, I'm going to have a giant bagel with really mayonnaise tuna and like a side of a baked potato, but I'm not going to eat your French fry. You know, it was just... <laughs> yeah, I, so. I'm a volume meter. I like to eat a lot of food and I always have. So being a volume meter, someone who likes to eat a lot and then was also not eating the right things was a mm. big recipe 
for a disaster. And so I just I, was obese. And I think um, for like young kids, like the role of the parents are like so, so important. Like for instance, um, I have uh, two brothers and a sister and um, everyone has been obese in their teenage years. Like a lot of people don't know this about me and uh, my parents were also like always obese. And um, I think like, man, like, like my parents didn't know better, but they just gave me like shitty food. Like <laughs> you shouldn't buy Coke every day for your kids and mm -hmm. always have like greasy meals with a lot of oil and like buy snacks for your kids. Like I don't want to put the blame on my parents or something like they didn't know any better. But I think right. like the role of the parents like are very, very important. Like, for instance, I can also see this with the kid of my sister. Like, my sister has been struggling with her weight for years. And she also has tried, like, all the diets. And, um, and yeah, her, her, her daughter is also obese. Like, because she also doesn't know any better. So, yeah, um, it's so important. And I and your sister is going to love my book and my program. She's really going <laughs> to love it because there wasn't anything there's, there isn't anything like it now. And there was certainly nothing like it for us growing up. So I don't blame my parents at all. And actually, thankfully, with time, they've actually done my program. My dad is down 60 pounds, has kept it off. You know, he's never had success doing anything. He's tried everything, personal trainers, Pritikin, spas, whatever, all of it, um, and has finally found the solution. So my, my approach definitely works because I had to kind of accept what would never work. I'm not a rule follower, strict dieter. I was never going to portion control or calorie count all my food. I can't live like that. It's just not my style. And then I also, I like to eat a lot. So I couldn't do anything that was telling me that I should still be hungry or deprived in any way. And I also love food. So the food has to taste good. So I had to figure out a way that I could eat a lot. The food could taste really good and I wouldn't have to overthink it. And so I started creating this program called the To Be Mindset Now. But in high school, I just started trial and error, working out, figuring out what is working in weight loss camp that I'm totally dropping the ball on during the school year. And for the first time, I actually started losing like 50, 60, 70 pounds on my own through high school. And, you know, all my friends' parents were like, what, what are you doing? Like everyone wanted to know what I was doing. So I decided if I'm going to be giving nutrition advice to people, I should become an expert in the field and make sure I'm actually saying the right things. So I became a registered dietitian, nutritionist. I got my master's degree in nutrition. Awesome. I started working in the hospital setting and then UCLA hired me to teach a weight loss seminar there. And I started working with hundreds and hundreds of people at UCLA in different demographics and you know age groups and professions and everything. And my private practice was also really thriving, but then I felt like it wasn't fair that your sister in Germany or wherever she is wouldn't be able to do my program just because she's not in Los Angeles. So I partnered with Beachbody and they're the company behind P9ZX and Insanity and these, you know, large scale at home workout programs to create an at home nutrition program. So you feel like you're my private practice where you're in my private practice, wherever you are. So that's how we were able to get it to now about 250,000 people. And with the success of the program has also brought the opportunity for me to write a book. And so my book just came out this year with Simon and Schuster and it became awesome. a Wall Street Journal bestseller and it's doing great. <laughs> so it's very exciting. My goal is always just to help more people 
lose weight, eat well. So of course, like it's not an issue for them. And also they know what to pass on to their kids mm-hmm. because that, that really, we need to change the next generation. We yeah. all grew up in these households. You either grew up in a household where your parents were like eating unhealthily, eating like too extreme healthy, like if you're in that 1% or just so confused of dieting culture and being so overwhelmed with it. So we have to make it so that the next generation of kids has parents who know how to eat, know how to control their eating and are proper role models. So these next generation of kids don't have to diet. I have to tell you, you're a great speaker. So, but I, <laughs> I have to agree with what you've said on uh, testing and um, testing what works for you because I think like a lot of people are like really, really confused when it comes down to diet because like so, so, so many people on social media are telling people like you have to do this, this is the right way, and then uh, another guru is like completely contradicting the advice and says like you have to do keto, and another says like high carb is a thing, and um, I, I think. It's so confusing. And the problem is, you know, as a registered dietitian in a private practice, there is never one diet that works for everyone. There actually is no definition of a perfect diet. It's impossible. Anyone who tells you you should be vegan or you should eat paleo is completely, it's not that, that you're ignorant because it might work for you. But what works for you is not going to work for your neighbor or your best friend ever. We all have different lifestyles, different needs, different metabolisms, uh, and different goals. So I always treat every single client like they are a complete individual. And that w- that's why I was so nervous about scaling my program. Like, how yeah. am I going to scale this program to a million people when everyone eats differently? And thankfully, I worked with, you know, a company that's wonderful at individualizing, you know, programs because people really are able to adapt to their own program. So while I'm a dietitian and I will show you and I will recommend what you want to eat for breakfast, lunch, dinner, I will teach you nutrition and food groups in a way that's like easy to understand. You'll be able to mix and match for your own life because Hardy, I don't want to, I don't want to ever tell you that you should eat grilled chicken and asparagus for dinner. And then your best friend wants to go out and get sushi. And then you have to say what? Like, no, I can't get sushi. Of course you should go get sushi. And you should even have a cup of sake if you want. But like, how are you going to make it work so that if you wanted to lose weight, you can still do that? So my program creates that flexibility, but it also has enough structure so you actually feel like you're focused and getting the best results. And um, yeah, I think like, um, w- what you also said, like, um, a lot of people are like really confused. They don't really know what to do. And I think there's, a, there's also like a big problem. There's also like a m- lot of like misinformation, like for, especially like I have been like weightlifting now for 10 years and there are like so, so many very, very extreme approaches to dieting or training and I think like you don't have to do like any of this like maybe for some like crazy people this might work like sure but um I think for 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 most people like training every day for four hours and eating like a thousand calories like this probably shouldn't be your goal so um extremism extremism (laughs) isn't working anything right now you know I just (laughs) this year is extreme enough like 2020 is just taking the craziest curveball onto the entire world and then the politics that are following I mean we have 
there has to be, I hate that term of like everything in moderation and everything in balance and mindful eating, because those are just such like outworldly, you know, statements and they seem a little cheesy and corny, even for me as a dietitian. <laughs> um, I'm very real and very practical, but the bottom line is it actually doesn't take extreme measures to lose a lot of weight. Like I'm not an extremist. I never cut out any sugar. I never cut out cocktails. I never cut out carbs and I never need anyone to do it either. It's honestly about like the small steps, a little greater awareness, greater education, greater accountability. Um, but you can still eat. You can still eat delicious food. You could still leave a meal full and satisfied and you don't need to cut anything out to lose serious weight and keep it off. So people need to, at the very least, start believing that and understanding that. I think a lot of people have a history of trying extreme diets, mm. seeing good results, but they gained it all back and more. So mm. a lot of people still stick to this concept where like they feel like they have to do that in order to lose weight. But if they look at the bigger picture, they realize but I didn't actually keep it off. So I really hope moving forward, everyone, I mean, I want everyone to read my book. You can drop it, try my program, the to be mindset, but at the very least realize just drinking more water, just eating more vegetables, more vegetables, just having a more positive mindset and believing you can lose weight, just, you know, a little bit more activity, a little bit smarter choices in your carbohydrates or your lean proteins, it adds up and makes such a big difference. And it's really the messaging you want to be giving off to your to your children and to the people around you, because it's it's not about extremes. Yeah. And then. And I think um, what you've mentioned about uh, uh, like long term thinking is so, so important because I think like I can totally understand someone who is overweight. They like they really want to look great now and they really want to lose the fat now. But um, they really have to think about like, okay, what are the long term results of this? And um, for instance, like I also have like dieted down and then gained a little bit of weight back again and um it wasn't this whole like dieting cycle that a lot of people are, are stuck in but like for the last like three years or something i was able to maintain like a, a very low body fat like around 10 percent or something um and what really helped me is to really focus on okay like what is easy for me because i think a lot of people have this mindset that diet needs a diet needs to be like super hard and you have to struggle all the time and it's really about like hard work hard work hard work and i think there's like a time and place for hard work and i also like that what you said about like okay there might be a time for not being moderate but um i think it's like really focusing on hey what what is easy for you and um i i somehow found out okay i'm not like very hungry in the morning so i don't tend to eat breakfast not for health reasons or something but i don't i'm just not hungry so i'm skipping breakfast but but not for health reasons and um so i was like eating like a bigger lunch because like you said i've also noticed that i'm a volume eater like when yeah. i'm eating i like to eat a lot i think so. everyone is and everyone's <laughs> denial honestly if you live in funny you're a volume eater we like look at the biggest our biggest chain restaurants our most our most successful food companies. They serve in volume. Costco, like if you talk America, like Costco, Walmart. I mean, our stores have huge portions. So anyone trying to eat less on a portion controlled diet, yeah. I don't even I don't even understand. Like I think it works for so long, but we like to eat. Like True. our 
we all grew up with the concept of all you can eat buffets. I mean, look at <laughs> like, so I think the, the sooner people admit their strengths and, and like what they like, the better for me, the sooner I realized I'm a volume eater. So what do I have to do? Like, and that's where I came up with my slogan and my trademark water first veggies, most fill up on water first, eat veggies, most make sure that you're so yeah, I think we're all volume eaters. I think we all like to be full and satisfied. Leaving a meal feeling like you're at a six out of satisfaction yeah. will make you so fixated on food. So exactly. anyone who's doing an extreme diet or trying to do a meal plan mm. and you're sticking to that one plate, if you still want seconds and you want more food, but you're depriving yourself of it, the whole rest of the day, you're going to be thinking about it. You won't be as focused on your work and you are going to retaliate later on. I've worked with so many people who've tried to restrict themselves. Mm. They, it always backfires. So if you like to eat, you have to allow yourself to eat. You have to give yourself permission to eat. You just have to understand what you want to be filling up on. And that's what I really help people do is whether you're a petite eater or a volume eater, I just help you work out the process so that every next choice is a choice in the right direction. Yeah, very powerful. And um, yeah, so 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 I also think that um, like depriving yourself, restricting yourself, it usually backfires. Like um, when I was dieting, I was always food obsessed. Like, oh, like at a certain point, like um, because like I'm in the fitness space, so I tend to like diet a lot more, uh, like like way lower in body fat levels than, than normal folks. And at a certain level, I was like, always thinking about food and i think this is like so unhealthy like i want to eat and then i want to go on with my life like yes. i don't want to think at I all about food like eat, enjoy and move on if you can't move on following a meal you didn't eat enough and like mm. people don't realize meals are not the issue the issue is like the constant snacking and fixating Eat a lot when you eat, drink a lot of water before. What does fixating mean? What? What does fixating mean? Obsessing. Ah, okay. okay. Obsessing is so lethal. So I have, a, a like, my favorite example, Hardy, is try not to think about elephants. Mm, don't think yeah. about elephants. <laughs> yeah. no, don't think about a how classic. lovely their skin is. Don't think about how big and gray they are. Don't think about them in a circus. Don't think about them in Africa. Don't think about them linked up with their babies. Just don't think about elephants and the sounds they make and the peanuts they eat. All you can think about is elephants. Anytime you're so focused on, I'm not eating bread, I'm not eating carbs, I'm cutting out sugar, you don't realize how backwards it is because all you end up thinking about is bread, carbs, and sugar. And the whole focus is, I'm going to, Stay focused and disciplined until I could have those things again. Mm. And I like to go about it the opposite. I want everyone to be thinking sustainability from day one. What is the point in losing 10 pounds if you're going to have to lose them again and again and again? So every pound a person loses with me, I want them to be able to keep it off for good and really think sustainability and being able to maintain this weight from the start, which is why you have to be happy along the way. You can't be like miserable while you lose the weight just so you can be happy when it's all gone. It doesn't work that way. You have to kind of be okay where you are, but always focus on losing two pounds at a time. I'm always, I'm a big fan of like losing weight two pounds at a time. I lost my 100 pounds 
focusing on two pounds at a time. And that really works like just this, the, just a little bit every day, keeping it off and, you know, still having a positive focus throughout mm. your build you're building healthy habits. That's what helps you keep it off for good. If you're doing something that feels temporary, it's always going to backfire. And um, I think like another big problem is that a lot of people have like also like a very unhealthy um, relationship with food. Yes. Like they think it's bad that they are like, um, that they want to eat carbohydrates or that they want to eat like uh, every once in a while, like a snack or a cake or something like right. I, th I think a lot of people have like a weird relationship with food and this also causes a lot of problems for instance like um i don't want to mention names but also in my family like sometimes like people are like how do you like why are you eating this this is bad for you and i'm like okay i'm the leanest here like what the, uh -huh. what the hell is the problem <laughs> that's the worst that happens all the time okay first of all <laughs> Anyone who's too fixated on anyone who's looking at your plate isn't looking enough at their own. That's step one. <laughs> That's anyone who's one. so focused on your food is not focused enough on their own. Two, everyone's <laughs> different. Like I eat chocolate every day. I've eaten chocolate almost every day while I've lost <laughs> weight. I, I try to find Love ways this. to have chocolate in a protein bar or in a protein shake or, you know, chocolate chips on a Greek yogurt or whatever it is, or be smart about the chocolate I eat. But Everyone is different and everyone needs to try track and see what works best for them. There's no poison food. There's no bad food. No. It doesn't, it doesn't exist. And, um, the shame that people create around food is so toxic. So yeah. ugh, everyone has to drop that a hundred percent. And the bad relationship with food is so real and so true. And a lot of people do my program and read my book who don't even have a lot of weight to lose. They just need a more positive relationship with food and they need to be able to trust it. You know, there are a lot of women who are thin, but in their mind, they are obsessive. And so they need to learn my program and my approach so they can stay lean but realize they can have a more trusting, positive relationship with food. It's food is not bad. It's the thought yeah. culture we've created around food that have turned really negative. Yeah, totally. And um, I also think like, for instance, a lot of people really don't take the context of another person into account. Like for instance, like I'm, I'm now like, uh, I, I have now a problem with my feet, but um, normally I'm like running every day, like because I enjoy running, not because I have to do or because like sometimes I'm running like 10 kilom kilometers or 15, sometimes I'm only running three, like, but, but I usually tend to run like first thing in the morning. And then a couple of hours later, I really love working out and lifting weights. So again, I'm not doing this to, to, because it's like, I really enjoy it. Like yeah. it's, it's harder for me not to go to the gym than Our going to the gym. Our bodies were designed to move. Our bodies were yeah. designed to move. It's funny. I also have a foot issue now. I mean, it's like as an active <laughs> person, as an active person, you also have uh, those points where your body reminds you you need to rest and restore I totally get it but yeah I always say you know food is everything exercise is extra credit of course I have a foot injury now if I were dependent on exercise to lose weight I would have a hard time everyone needs to you know focus on the food first and treat exercise like it's just a positive 
thing for your body to do. Um, when it comes to the relationship with food and creating a healthier relationship for food, one thing I would want to give your listeners right now, just something they can walk away with, is always say, treat, not cheat. Mm. Cheat is the worst. When I hear people say the word cheating, which is literally every day in <laughs> relation to food, it is like beating into a negative relationship with food, especially if you have family, friends, kids around. It's like a it's a toxic phrase. Cheating has never been associated with anything positive. Cheating on taxes, cheating on a spouse, cheating evokes guilt. Cheating uh -huh. is just like negative, it's unpleasant. And if you think that you're having a burger and fries and it's cheating, you're not even gonna enjoy it. You're gonna scarf it down because it's right before your intermittent fasting window or it's right before your next day or something. And it, it tends to be really quick and really rushed and not even savored and enjoy. And then you always kind of like feel icky afterwards. If you're gonna have a burger and fries, enjoy it. It's yeah. a burger it's decadent it's higher in fat it's whatever it is so enjoy the richness enjoy the texture indulge in it like be satisfied by it eat it slowly because then you won't feel like you need it again or crave it again you'll like be able to maximize the experience optimize it treat yourself to it and move on but the notion of cheating is so bad and honestly people like have cheat meals and then people have cheat days this was a topic i wanted to address so <laughs> because i think it's this is like probably like um like developing an eating disorder like having a cheat day like once a week or something but but share your yeah. thoughts with us on that so. exactly. well first of all as a registered dietitian who's like studied you know lab work and everything a cheat day could be so dangerous for anyone who's at all borderline when it comes to like diabetes or high blood sugar or hypertension, high blood pressure, because having a six day period of controlled blood sugar levels and then, you know, starting with cake for breakfast and going into fries and whatever it is, is just like a wacky thing to do to your body <laughs> in terms of inflammation and all that stuff. Um, and also a lot of people say, Alana, do you ever have cheat days? If you, if you look at it as a cheat day and you're talking like several meals, you can be talking thousands and thousands of calories. You could gain more weight in one day than you could be losing in other days, the way I did with weight loss camp and stuff like that. So you definitely don't need a whole day. Look at it as maybe a treat meal. How I like to look at it is, you know, have a great dessert. Still focus on drinking water first before your meals, filling up on that. Still focus on maybe having like a big grilled chicken salad, giving your body what it needs first and then give your body what it wants. We, like I said in the beginning, a lot of us are volume eaters. A lot of us could take down a lot of food and something like pizza or cake is very, very dense in calories. It doesn't take up a lot of room in your stomach. So if you're deciding to have a cheat meal of pizza and you eat a pie of pizza, it's just, it's out of control. And you're not even going to taste the difference between the fifth slice and the seventh. It all tastes the same. You're just guzzling at that point. So I always recommend people try to fill up at least 50, 60% of their stomach of the real estate in their body with what their body needs, with the water, with the vegetables, with the lean protein. So they actually stay full. And then of course, if you want 
dessert, if you want something more decadent, if you want something with more sugar, less fiber, all that stuff, have your treat. And then I have this more sure model. If you want more, sure. But then again, go back for some water, go back for some veggies, go back for some protein. These things will actually fill you up. So then when you have that second slice or third slice of pizza, you're enjoying it more. You're in a more controlled state and you're not going to feel like you ever need to have seven or eight slices again. So, you know, it's, it's that extreme mentality. I think when people feel like they're entering cheat zone, they just Mm -hmm. do things that are just absurd and they realize that they're not actually tasting. Like, again, like you're not going to taste the difference between a third and a fifth slice of pizza or the 20th and the 40th French fry. So it's like, try to fill yourself up. So those things are actually meant for taste and they're not just, you know, for sport. People literally eat for sport. Like look at the rock. I mean, I love rock. I love him more than anything, but his whole Instagram account is kind of like, you know, taking that, to extreme in sports situation, which I think a lot of people think they can replicate and still look like him and they don't realize the million. Like he's like training like crazy and he's like six feet six or something. And (laughs) And who knows how much of that he's even eating. You know what I mean? A lot of Graham. So yeah, I think everyone has to really just get over the notion of all or nothing and cheating and, and at least at least at the very least look at it as a treat not cheat it's amazing how one word and the change of two letters can really make a difference on just how much you actually enjoy that food yeah and and, and what i've noticed like back in the day i was also like trying the cheat meals and the cheat diet uh cheat days and um what i've noticed is that um i was eating like way more cake and like chocolate and all those things than usually like like because i was like overcompensating and what i've also noticed is that um when people have like like always cravings uh they always want to to eat chocolate like you you are always you always want to eat chocolate but they always want to eat ice cream like every day and they always want to eat cake every day i think this is always uh often a symptom of not eating uh, enough calories for instance like nowadays i'm never like i have so rarely cravings uh eating cake or eating like gummy bears bears or something um because i'm eating enough carbohydrates for my needs and uh enough vegetables enough protein and so on and so forth so I think yeah. like a lot of people don't really realize that um, their cravings are like a symptom of not eating enough or so, eating the wrong definitely. foods. Definitely. Yeah, I have a three pillar system in my weight loss program. So what makes my program like a little different is, yes, I'm a nutritionist, I'm a dietitian, but in my private practice, you know, working with just hundreds of people at this point, I've realized nutrition is only a third of the pillar. It's nutrition. Then it's also emotion, like your Mm -hmm. emotional eating, and it's also your environment. Cravings are a lot stirred by you just keep buying those cookies, ice cream. A lot of part of cravings is the more you eat it, the more you crave it. So, Mm -hmm. you know, that's a piece. But there's definitely a nutritional piece. You know, a lot of times people will say, Alana, how come I, I just, I was so hungry and like, I just, I couldn't resist myself on that cake. And I always say, you probably didn't eat enough protein. You know, sometimes Mm. nutritionists will say, oh, you should eat a palm's worth of protein. I need two palms worth. Like I (laughs) eat a lot of protein to stay full and satisfied. And I think a lot of people need to give themselves more permission to eat more of the right foods because it really does crush cravings. You're so right on that. And what do you think um, are like 
a few things that a lot of people believe in and they think it's the truth, but actually like m most people don't really realize that it, it's a complete falsehood. Like what yeah. do you think is like common advice that, that is like completely wrong? Oh, okay, great. Well, first of all, counting calories is a very faulty system. So I don't think it's bad if someone counts calories for like three months, four months, five months, you know, there's so many calorie counting apps and it, it's probably a good idea for everyone to kind of understand that a tablespoon of peanut butter can go really wrong, really fast. You know what I mean? And like really take a chunk out of your, out of your day. And the difference between a teaspoon and a tablespoon is, is legit. Um, and that oil adds up and sugar adds up and that granola is really just a crushed up cookie um, <laughs> and all those things. I think, you know, if you have any experience calorie counting, it, it doesn't hurt you to have that sense of knowledge. The problem is, is it doesn't really work. You know that food companies have a 20% deviation that's completely legal. So McDonald's- 20% didn't 20%. know that. That's so big. I, and I didn't the know FDA, that. Yeah, yes, that's crazy. They give food companies a 20% deviation. So McDonald's can say it's an 1,000 calorie burger and really it's close to 1,200 calories. A 100 calorie pack of Oreos could be closer to 118 because- Crazy. They, <laughs> this crazy, is like- but yeah. they, have, they give the food companies this huge leeway because of uniformity, it, you know? So- how do you have all the perfect pretzels in a hundred calorie pack? It's because it could be 115, 118, 114, 95, and still be totally legal. So that's, you know, there's so many issues with calorie counting. Like that's one. The other one is that calories aren't equal. If you have 1200 calories in donuts and 1200 calories in, or even 1400 calories in, you know, chicken and olive oil and, and higher fiber things in salads, you could actually lose more weight because our body forms fat from different foods in different ways. So it, it's not just about calories. So I think there's a lot of advice now all about calorie deficit. It all comes down to a calorie mm -hmm. deficit. And it's honestly just, it's not true. Our body burns different calories differently on different days. The time of your day matters. So we burn almost twice as many calories in the first half of the day than the second half of the day. So if you're yes. saving all your calories to go crazy on, you know, a pasta night, you're probably still not going to lose weight. So um, that's definitely something I think people need to wrap their head around that the quality of food does matter and calories are not the end all be all. Um, the next thing, you know, as you said about the cheat days that you ended up eating more ice cream than you would have. I felt that way trying intermittent fasting. Hmm. Like I told, hmm. like I will totally admit I tried it on two different occasions, like two separate weeks in the past hmm. two years, both weeks I gained weight um, because <laughs> I, I, you should probably eat breakfast, I would say. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I did. I put my eight hours in the first half of the day because mm. I know that's when energy is burned more. And for me, that breakfast works. But still, I just found myself eating more than I would have if I just said I can eat when I want, but eat the right things. And yeah. like going into the fasting window, I would just like eat quicker, eat more, have one last thing. So I made <laughs> sure I would stay full. 
And I ended up just eating more. So I think that's like something we should, you know, get out to people is intermittent fasting doesn't always work. And it can yeah. actually really mess up your relationship with food because you're not really eating for your hunger. You're eating just because um, yeah. it could work for some people. So I don't want to denounce that. That's probably the next point is not only are you going to lose weight or get, you know, healthier, gain more muscle different than your friends and family, you're going to do it differently than you might have in the past. And I think people need to wrap their head around that. You know, I work with a lot of women going through menopause or post-menopause or post-babies and all of that stuff. It's just different. Like you're not, if you're doing a different workout, if you're five years older than you were before, stop trying to replicate what worked before or what worked with someone else. Just, you know, really just honor and respect where you are now and make the absolute most of it because there's always something you can do. There's always something you can do to lose weight. And if you keep trying something that isn't working, then you got to try something new. And my program and my book is like filled with, okay, like you want to break through this plateau. You got to try this now. You got to try this because I lost a hundred pounds. I had to change it up constantly in order to keep hitting the next bracket. And I think people just, you know, beat themselves up. It's not working. It's not working. You're not trying enough. You're not Mm. working. You're not, you're focused too much on that. It's not working and not enough on what you need to change to make it start working. Very powerful advice. I really, really loved this episode. This this was amazing. So um, at the end, I always ask five questions to every podcast guest. But uh, before I ask those five questions, like what would be your best advice on diet, nutrition, exercise and all those good things? Like what would you tell our listeners right now? Well, you know, my my number one catchphrase, water first, veggies most, the four words that are just going to save us all. Um, <laughs> always drink water first prior to your meals, especially if you're like Hardy and I and you like to eat a lot of food. We don't drink enough water. We always think we're hungry for food. And really, it's like we don't realize how much more water we need to be drinking, especially if it's hot summer months, more stress, more exercise, you need even more water. So always start every meal and every snack with 16 ounces of water, um, about half a liter, and that will help you fill up and make better food eating choices. So more water, more weight loss, drink more water first. Uh, And then veggies most. Nobody can sustain a healthy weight loss who actually likes eating without enjoying veggies. I know a lot of people are here and they're like, no, 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 no. I'll just cut out sugar. I'll just cut out carbs and I'll focus on lean proteins and high fat. That will only work for so long. If you study populations of the world who have the greatest health, stay the leanest for the absolute longest duration of their long, healthy lives, they eat and embrace veggies. So You might be out there like, you know, making faces and wanting to deny it. But the sooner you accept the fact that veggies are a part of life and you find recipes to make broccoli, asparagus, cauliflower, nachos, you make these things taste good and satisfying and easy for you, the better your health will be. So water first, veggies most. (laughs) Where can people uh, connect with you on the social webs, buy your program, uh, buy your book and so on and so forth? For sure. Um, I'm. On TikTok, I'm Nutrition Babe, big on TikTok. Uh, on Instagram, it's Alana Molstein RD. 
My book is where all books are sold, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and so forth. Uh, the book is called You Can Drop It, and the audio book is coming out uh, this summer too. And my program is called To Be Mindset. Got it. So um, the first out of the five question is, uh, what are the three books that had the greatest influence on your life? That was such a hard question. Um, <laughs> well, first of all, I just want to plug that if you do have, if you're interested at all in nutrition, I really think my book would be on that list for a lot of people. I think it, it's really very eye-opening. Every page kind of has a little shock value. So my book is called You Can Drop It. Um, but that's not one of mine, obviously. Uh, one of my favorite books is The Blue Zones. So by Dan Buettner, and he basically studies the seven areas of the world of people with the greatest health and longevity. And it's, you know, it's so fascinating hearing what they do and how different that is than paleo cheat meal and all of that. You know, it's such mm. a great way of living and these people live such great lives. So the blue zones, power of habit. I think that's a book like kind of everyone needs. I have it here by Charles Duhigg, you yeah, know, realizing, how much, yeah, realizing just how much, habits part of our life atomic habits is kind of like the newer version but the power of habits very good and uh the yellow star is a book um it's a holocaust book but my uh grandfather was actually in the holocaust and he's one of the boys spoken about in the stories of that book Amazing. and so that yeah that always gives me like this huge sense of groundedness and resilience and appreciation for things Especially in 2020, you know, everyone complaining about staying home and stuff like that. Sometimes you need to read and study different times and different struggles and like real serious struggles of people's lives. And then you realize your current situation is so bad Nothing. and you're stronger than you think. And we're designed to take on super strong and difficult and challenging times. So that that always helps. Love this. Uh, second question, what are the three movies that you have enjoyed the most? You know, this is going to sound so bimbo. <laughs> <laughs> like Clueless, Mean Girls, Legally Blondes. I mean, these are movies <laughs> every single day. But now um, being at home, Trolls. It's a uh, Trolls is the animated movie with Justin Timberlake and Anna Kendrick. Obviously, I watch because my daughter is obsessed with it, who's five years old. But I think everyone would like Trolls. It's such a good movie and has the best soundtrack. <laughs> um, third question is, uh, what is the most useful product or service that you have bought in recent memory? I actually am doing this course now. Um There's a woman named Amanda Francis. You should have her on the show. She's amazing. And she, her nickname is the money queen. She helps people make money and uh, really work on their money mentality makeover, which is the course I'm taking now. I interviewed her for my podcast. She actually did my program, which I was like really honored because she's such a successful, a brilliant woman. And so now I'm taking her course on money mentality makeover. And she, she has you really go into the depths of your childhood and your relationship with money and how it's, you know, skewed your belief system around money and everything. It's very powerful and interesting. So I've been liking that a lot. Fourth question is, uh, what are the most important revelations that you've had in the last couple of years? 
and and, I, and 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 it, it yeah. could be about anything. Like people mentioned, like deeply uh, personal things about their family life, relationships, travel. So speak about anything you feel comfortable sharing with us. I think my biggest revelation is that, like, uh, just I think just patience and patience and just long term thinking. I think the more successful a person is like my private clients who are super successful, the people like you, who I'm, you know, honored to be able to speak to, it's a very calm and long-term perspective they have on life. And it's not a short-term reactive impulsive mindset. And I think that really inspires me constantly. Just don't be impulsive. Don't be reactionary. Don't think I gained 10 pounds. Now I need to, you know, cut out X, Y, and Z and go crazy. It's going to backfire. You have to think slow and steady really wins the race. And, and, and you have to breathe deep and zone out and look at your life as, as, you know, from an outside perspective with less emotion in order to make much more rational, logical, and strategic moves in your life. So I think some of the books I mentioned, even the blue zones, like really focusing on nutrition as a, as a long-term play and, and everything else definitely helps. Um, and, and it, it, you know, now in, you know, semi-quarantine 2020, whatever we're in, it definitely helps as a parent, you know, because if your kids are just cranky temper tantrums, you can't just yell and scream. It doesn't help anyone. So I think that's the biggest revelation I've had is, you know, try to take deep breaths, slow and steady wins the race. Nothing gets solved in one moment. Everything <laughs> is kind of a system and and it's more about building the system and seeing the progress along the way, checking in, making sure the system is in place rather than trying to recreate dramatic changes every moment. Powerful. Um, last question for the day is, what would you tell, uh, what would you tell your 20 year old self? You know, a lot of people, when they get asked questions like this, they're always like, calm down, <laughs> like will work out, don't be so paranoid. Yeah. But you know, when it's really successful people saying that it kind of irks me because it's like, if you didn't feel a constant sense of energy and urgency, you wouldn't get where you are today and be asked that question. So <laughs> I've always been super energetic, super goal oriented, and all, I love always learning. So I would tell my 20 year old self, like, keep pushing, keep crushing, <laughs> don't relax, don't be complacent, <laughs> you know? It's like the opposite, I think, of what totally the opposite of most people. Yep. The opposite. Everyone's like telling 20 year olds they should calm Chill down. out. Yeah. Relax more. Are spending way too much time now on like TikTok and, and gaming and stuff like that. Put it down, get focused, get serious, put the time in because everyone else is relaxing. So you always have to have like a sense of urgency, take hold. I'm like so proud of the fact that by 30, I like had something trademarked and I actually sold the trademark. By 32, I had a best-selling book. You know, create these benchmarks for your life. Be You now are young and energetic. Don't waste it. Push and network and be good to people, be kind to people and plant the seeds for your whole life. Do not slow down at 20. That's when you should be 
you don't have obligations, you don't have kids, like, you know, find your passion, study, 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 and get to it. The world <laughs> needs you. The world needs you to make change. So don't relax. <laughs> get- <laughs> so, uh, Thank you so, so much for this episode. This was really a great, 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 great episode. So thank you for um, yeah. having me. Thank you so much for making this happen. And yeah, anytime. Of course, be well. <laughs> have a good one. Um, good to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. Um, could you please tell us a little bit more about yourself? Of course. Uh, my name is Alana. I'm a registered dietitian who's lost 100 pounds with my system called the 2B Mindset, and it's now helped over 250,000 other people, and I've turned it into a best-selling book. Very, very cool. So uh, I know you have shared your story like probably a million times already, but um, I think everyone who is listening to this would really love to hear like, how the hell did you make that happen? Like losing a hundred pounds. This is like a big, big number. So uh, (laughs) share your story with us, please. Go ahead. Yes, of course. Uh, I was very overweight as a kid. As early as four years old, I started eating emotionally when my parents were getting divorced and we were moving a lot. And I was just eating lots and lots of food in front of the television, not really paying attention. And I kept getting bigger and bigger. And at eight years old, my doctor sent me to weight loss camp, which people know as at eight years old, I went to fat camp for nine weeks in the summer and I had to eat. And and sorry to interrupt, but, but where like parents also obese and, uh, your, 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 your brothers or sisters. Yeah. Everyone struggled with their weight. My parents did every single diet in the book, but nothing really works and nothing worked at the time, especially. And I would watch them do every fad diet, every Atkins, South Beach cleanse, anything that was popular they would do, which is like today, paleo, keto, all of that stuff. I would see them lose weight. I'd see them gain it all back and more. So they didn't really have another solution for me. So they just kept sending me to fat camp every summer I would lose weight and I would just gain it all back and more. And so I kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger year after year. And at 12. How long was this phase? Oh, uh, this was like six, seven, maybe eight years. I would go to camp and then gain it all back and more every school year because you can gain a lot more in 10 months, Hardy, than you can lose in two months of the summer. And, 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 and like, how, um, how, how tall are you and how was your weight like back then? So. Yeah. I was five foot, two inches tall, and I weighed 215 pounds. That's more than me, man. <laughs> That's yeah. a lot. Yeah. yeah. So so how was your diet like back then? Oh, like like I, yeah, eating pancakes? With, yeah. It was to- bad. It was bad. I used to I used to live in New York City. And I would walk myself to school and there was a deli on the on the corner of 72nd Street. And I would buy myself a Snickers ice cream bar and eat that for breakfast, even in the winter. Uh, And it was like this ice cream bar. And then I was in eighth grade and we used to sell a lot of food for yearbook and for our eighth grade graduation trip and everything. And we used to sell these big doughy bread rolls and I would just like eat them while walking home. And then, you know, sometimes a part of me felt like I was actually healthy in a way because I had so many nutrition classes from weight loss camp every summer. 
And I had to meet with so many dietitians and nutritionists as a kid. So a part of me sometimes felt like I was the healthy one of my friends. Like they would have one slice of pizza and I would say, oh, I can't have pizza. Instead, I'm going to have a giant bagel with really mayonnaise tuna and like a side of a baked potato, but I'm not going to eat your French fry. You know, it was just, <laughs> yeah, I, so. I'm a volume eater. I like to eat a lot of food and I always have. So being a volume eater, someone who likes to eat a lot and then was also not eating the right things was a mm. big recipe for disaster. And so I, I just th- was obese. And I think, um, for like young kids, like the role of the parents are like so, so important. Like for instance, um, I have uh, two brothers and a sister and um, everyone has been obese in their teenage years. Like a lot of people don't know this about me and uh, my parents were also like always obese. And um, I think like, man, like, like my parents didn't know better, but they just gave me like shitty food. Like <laughs> you shouldn't buy Coke every day for your kids and mm-hmm. always have like greasy meals with a lot of oil and like buy snacks for your kids. Like I don't want to put the blame on my parents or something like they didn't know any better. But I think right. like the role of the parents like are very, very important. Like, for instance, I can also see this with the kid of my sister. Like, my sister has been struggling with her weight for years. And she also has tried, like, all the diets. And, um, and yeah, her, her, her daughter is also obese. Like, because she also doesn't know any better. So, yeah, um, it's so important. And, I, and your sister is going to love my book and my program. She's really going <laughs> to love it. Because there wasn't anything... There's, there isn't anything like it now, and there was certainly nothing like it for us growing up. So I don't blame my parents at all. And actually, thankfully, with time, they've actually done my program. My dad is down 60 pounds, has kept it off. You know, he's never had success doing anything. He's tried everything, personal trainers, Pritikin, spas, whatever, all of it, um, and has finally found the solution. So my, my approach definitely works because I had to kind of accept what would never work. I'm not a rule follower, strict dieter. I was never going to portion control or calorie count all my food. I can't live like that. It's just not my style. And then I also, I like to eat a lot. So I couldn't do anything that was telling me that I should still be hungry or deprived in any way. And I also love food. So the food has to taste good. So I had to figure out a way that I could eat a lot. The food could taste really good and I wouldn't have to overthink it. And so I started creating this program called the To Be Mindset Now. But in high school, I just started trial and error, working out, figuring out what is working in weight loss camp that I'm totally dropping the ball on during the school year. And for the first time, I actually started losing like 50, 60, 70 pounds on my own through high school. And, you know, all my friends' parents were like, what what are you doing? Like everyone wanted to know what I was doing. So I decided if I'm going to be giving nutrition advice to people, I should become an expert in the field and make sure I'm actually saying the right things. So I became a registered dietitian, nutritionist. I got my master's degree in nutrition. I started working in the hospital setting and then UCLA hired me to teach a weight loss seminar there. And I started working with hundreds and hundreds of people at UCLA in different demographics and, you know, age groups and professions and everything. And my private practice was also really thriving, but then I felt 
like it wasn't fair that your sister in Germany or wherever she is wouldn't be able to do my program just because she's not in Los Angeles. So I partnered with Beachbody and they're the company behind P9ZX and Insanity and these, you know, large scale at home workout programs to create an at home nutrition program. So you feel like you're my private practice where you're my private practice wherever you are. So that's how we were able to get it to now about 250,000 people. And with the success of the program has also brought the opportunity for me to write a book. And so my book just came out this year with Simon and Schuster and it became a Wall Street Journal bestseller and it's doing great. (laughs) So it's very exciting. My goal is always just to help more people lose weight eat well. So of course like it's not an issue for them. And also they know what to pass on to their kids mm-hmm. because that, that really, we need to change the next generation. We mm-hmm. all grew up in these households. You either grew up in a household where your parents were like eating unhealthily, eating like too extreme healthy. Like if you're in that 1% or just so confused of dieting culture and being so overwhelmed with it. So we have to make it so that the next generation of kids has parents who know how to eat, know how to control their eating, and are proper role models. So these next generation of kids don't have to diet. I, I have to tell you, you're a great speaker. So, but I, <laughs> I have to agree with what you've said on uh, testing and um, testing what works for you because I think like a lot of people are like really, really confused when it comes down to diet because like so, so, so many people on social media are telling people like you have to do this. This is the right way. And then uh, another guru is like completely contradicting the advice and says like you have to do keto. And another says like high carb is a thing. And um, I, I think. It's so confusing. And the problem is, you know, as a registered dietitian in a private practice, there is never one diet that works for everyone. There actually is no definition of a perfect diet. It's impossible. Anyone who tells you you should be vegan or you should eat paleo is completely, it's not that, that you're ignorant because it might work for you. But what works for you is not going to work for your neighbor or your best friend ever. We all have different lifestyles, different needs, different metabolisms, uh, and different goals. So I always treat every single client like they are a complete individual. And that w- that's why I was so nervous about scaling my program. Like, how yeah. am I going to scale this program to a million people when everyone eats differently? And thankfully, I worked with you know, a company that's wonderful at individualizing, you know, programs because people really are able to adapt to their own program. So while I'm a dietitian and I will show you and I will recommend what you want to eat for breakfast, lunch, dinner, I will teach you nutrition and food groups in a way that's like easy to understand. You'll be able to mix and match for your own life because Hardy, I don't want to, I don't want to ever tell you that you should eat grilled chicken and asparagus for dinner. And then your best friend wants to go out and get sushi. And then you have to say what? Like, no, I can't get sushi. Of course you should go get sushi. And you should even have a cup of sake if you want. But like, how are you going to make it work so that if you wanted to lose weight, you can still do that? So my program creates that flexibility, but it also has enough structure so you actually feel like you're focused and getting the best results. And um, yeah, I think like 
um, what you also said, like um, a lot of people are like really confused. They don't really know what to do. And I think there's also like a big problem. There's also like a lot of like misinformation, like for especially like I have been like weightlifting now for 10 years and there are like so, so many very, very extreme approaches to dieting or training and I think like you don't have to do like any of this like maybe for some like crazy people this might work like sure but um I think for for, for most people like training every day for four hours and eating like a thousand calories like this probably shouldn't be your goal so um yeah I think, extremism like, extremism <laughs> isn't working for anything right now you know I just <laughs> this year is extreme enough like 2020 is just taking yeah. the craziest curveball onto the entire world and yeah. then the politics that are following I mean we have there has to be I hate that term of like everything in moderation and everything in balance and mindful eating because those are just such like outworldly you know, statements and they seem a little cheesy and corny, even for me as a dietitian. <laughs> um, I'm very real and very practical, but the bottom line is it actually doesn't take extreme measures to lose a lot of weight. Like I'm not an extremist. I never cut out any sugar. I never cut out cocktails. I never cut out carbs and I never need anyone to do it either. It's honestly about like the small steps, a little greater awareness, greater education, greater accountability. Um, but you can still eat. You can still eat delicious food. You could still leave a meal full and satisfied. And you don't need to cut anything out to lose serious weight and keep it off. So people need to, at the very least, start believing that and understanding that. I think a lot of people have a history of trying extreme diets, mm. seeing good results, but they gained it all back and more. So mm -hmm. a lot of people still stick to this concept where like they feel like they have to do that in order to lose weight. But if they look at the bigger picture, they realize, but I didn't actually keep it off. So I really hope moving forward, everyone, I mean, I want everyone to read my book. You can drop it, try my program, the to be mindset, but at the very least realize just drinking more water, just eating more vegetables, more vegetables, just having a more positive mindset and believing you can lose weight, just, you know, a little bit more activity, a little bit smarter choices in your carbohydrates or your lean proteins, it adds up and makes such a big difference. And it's really the messaging you want to be giving off to your, to your children and to the people around you, because it's, it's not about extremes. Yeah. And then, And I think um, what you've mentioned about uh, uh, like long-term thinking is so, so important because I think like I can totally understand someone who's overweight. They like, they really want to look great now and they really want to lose the fat now, but um, they really have to think about like, okay, what are the long-term results of this? And um, for instance, like I also have like dieted down and then gained a little bit of weight back again and um it wasn't this whole like dieting cycle that a lot of people are, are stuck in but like for the last like three years or something i was able to maintain like a, a very low body fat like around 10 percent or something um and what really helped me is to really focus on okay like 
what is easy for me? Because I think a lot of people have this mindset that diet needs a diet needs to be like super hard and you have to struggle all the time. And it's really about like hard work, hard work, hard work. And I think there's like a time and place for hard work. And I also like that what you said about like, okay, there might be a time for not being moderate. But um, I think it's like really focusing on, hey, what what is easy for you? And um, I, I somehow found out, okay, I'm not like very hungry in the morning, so I don't tend to eat breakfast. Not for health reasons or something, but I don't, I'm just not hungry. So I'm skipping breakfast, but but not for health reasons. And um, so I was like eating like a bigger lunch because like you said, I've also noticed that I'm a volume eater. Like when yeah. I'm eating, I like to eat a lot. I think so. everyone is and everyone's <laughs> denial honestly if you live in big money you're a volume meter we like look at the biggest our biggest chain restaurants our most our most successful food companies they serve in volume costco like if you talk america like costco walmart i mean our stores have huge portions so anyone trying to eat less on a portion controlled diet yeah. i don't even i don't even understand like i think it works for so long, but we like to eat like our, we all grew up with the concept of all you can eat buffets. I mean, look at (laughs) like, so I think the, the sooner people admit their strengths and and like what they like, the better for me, the sooner I realized I'm a volume eater. So what do I have to do? Like, and that's where I came up with my slogan and my trademark water first veggies most fill up on water first, eat veggies most, make sure that you're, so, yeah, I think we're all volume eaters. I think we all like to be full and satisfied. Leaving a meal feeling like you're at a six out of satisfaction yeah. will make you so fixated on food. So exactly. anyone who's doing an extreme diet or trying to do a meal plan mm-hmm. and you're sticking to that one plate, if you still want seconds and you want more food, but you're depriving yourself of it, the whole rest of the day, you're going to be thinking about it. You won't be as focused on your work and you are going to retaliate later on. I've worked with so many people who've tried to restrict themselves. Mm. They, it always backfires. So if you like to eat, you have to allow yourself to eat. You have to give yourself permission to eat. You just have to understand what you want to be filling up on. And that's what I really help people do is whether you're a petite eater or a volume eater, I just help you work out the process so that every next choice is a choice in the right direction. Yeah. Very powerful. And, um, yeah, so, so, so I also think that, um, like depriving yourself, restricting yourself, it usually backfires. Like um, when I was dieting, I was always food obsessed. Like oh, like at a certain point, like um, because like I'm in the fitness space, so I tend to like diet a lot more, uh, like like way lower in body fat levels than, than normal folks. And at a certain level, I was like always thinking about food and i think this is like so unhealthy like i want to eat and then i want to go on with my life like yes. i don't want to think at I all about food eat, like enjoy and move on if you can't move on following a meal you didn't eat enough and like mm. people don't realize meals are not the issue the issue is like the constant snacking and fixating Eat a lot when you eat, drink a lot of water before. What does fixating mean? What? What does fixating mean? Obsessing. Ah, okay. okay. Obsessing is so lethal. So I have, a, a like, my favorite example, Hardy, is try not to think about elephants. 
Mm. Don't think yeah. about Elf. <laughs> yeah. don't, don't think about how lefty their skin is. Don't think about how big and gray they are. Don't think about them <laughs> in a circus. Don't think about them in Africa. Don't think about them linked up with their babies. Just don't think about elephants and the sounds they make and the peanuts they eat. Mm. All you can think about is elephants. <laughs> Anytime you're so focused on, I'm not eating bread, I'm not eating carbs, I'm cutting out sugar, you don't realize how backwards it is because all you end up thinking about is bread, carbs, and sugar. And the whole focus is I'm going to stay focused and disciplined until I can have those things again. Mm. And I like to go about it the opposite. I want everyone to be thinking sustainability from day one. What is the point in losing 10 pounds if you're going to have to lose them again and again and again? So every pound a person loses with me I want them to be able to keep it off for good and really think sustainability and being able to maintain this weight from the start, which is why you have to be happy along the way. You can't be like miserable while you lose the weight just so you could be happy when it's all gone. It doesn't work that way. You have to kind of be okay where you are, but always focus on losing two pounds at a time. I'm always, I'm a big fan of like losing weight two pounds at a time. I lost my a hundred pounds focusing on two pounds at a time. And that really works. Like just this, the, just a little bit every day, keeping it off and, you know, still having a positive focus throughout mm. your building you're building healthy habits. That's what helps you keep it off for good. If you're doing something that feels temporary, it's always going to backfire. And um, I think like another big problem is that a lot of people have like also like a very unhealthy um, relationship with food. Yes. Like they think it's bad that they are like, um, that they want to eat carbohydrates or that they want to eat like uh, every once in a while, like a snack or a cake or something like right. I, th I think a lot of people have like a weird relationship with food and this also causes a lot of problems for instance like um I don't want to mention names but also in my family like sometimes like people are like how do you like why are you eating this this is bad for you and I'm like okay I'm the leanest here like what the, uh -huh. what the hell is the problem that's the worst <laughs> that happens all the time okay first of all <laughs> Anyone who's too fixated on anyone who's looking at your plate isn't looking enough at their own. That's step one. <laughs> That's anyone who's one. so focused on your food is not focused enough on their own. Two, everyone's <laughs> different. Like I eat chocolate every day. I've eaten chocolate almost every day while I've lost <laughs> it. I, I try to find <laughs> ways it. to have chocolate in a protein bar or in a protein shake or, you know, chocolate chips on a Greek yogurt or whatever it is, or be smart about the chocolate I eat. But Everyone is different and everyone needs to try track and see what works best for them. There's no poison food. There's no bad food. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't exist. And, um, the shame that people create around food is so toxic. So yeah. ugh, everyone has to drop that a hundred percent. And the bad relationship with food is so real and so true. And a lot of people do my program and read my book who don't even have a lot of weight to lose. They just need a more positive relationship with food and they need to be able to trust it. You know, there are a lot of women who are thin, but in their mind, they are obsessive. And so they need to learn my program and my approach so they can stay lean but realize they can have a more trusting, positive relationship with food. It's food is not bad. It's the thought yeah. culture we've created around food that have turned really negative. 
Yeah, totally. And um, I also think, like, for instance, a lot of people really don't take the context of another person into account. Like, for instance, like, I'm I'm now, like, uh, I, I have now a problem with my feet. But um, normally I'm, like, running every day. Like, because I enjoy running, not because I have to do or because, like, sometimes I'm running, like, 10 kilom kilometers or 15. Sometimes I'm only running three, like, but but I usually tend to run like first thing in the morning. And then a couple of hours later, I really love working out and lifting weights. So again, I'm not doing this to to because it's like I really enjoy it. Like yeah. it's ha harder for me not to go to the gym than Our going to the gym. Our bodies were designed to move. Our bodies were yeah. designed to move. It's funny. I also have a foot issue now. I mean, it's like as an active <laughs> person, as an active person, you also have uh, those points where your body reminds you you need to rest and restore. I totally get it. But yeah, I always say, you know, food is everything. Exercise is extra credit. Of course, I have a foot injury now. If I were dependent on exercise to lose weight, I would have a hard time. Everyone needs to, you know, focus on the food first and treat exercise like it's just a positive thing for your body to do. Um, when it comes to the relationship with food and creating a healthier relationship for food, one thing I would want to give your listeners right now, just something they can walk away with, is always say, treat, not cheat. Mm. Cheat is the worst. When I hear people say the word cheating, which is literally every day in <laughs> relation to food, it is like beating into a negative relationship with food, especially if you have family, friends, kids around, it's like a, it's a toxic phrase. Cheating has never been associated with anything positive. Cheating on taxes, cheating on a spouse, cheating evokes guilt. Cheating uh -huh. is just like negative. It's unpleasant. And if you think that you're having a burger and fries and it's cheating, you're not even going to enjoy it. You're going to scarf it down because it's right before your intermittent fasting window or it's right before your next day or something. And it, it tends to be really quick and really rushed and not even savored and enjoy. And then you always kind of like feel icky afterwards. If you're going to have a burger and fries, enjoy it. It's yeah. a burger and fries. It's decadent. It's higher in fat. It's whatever it is. So enjoy the richness enjoy the texture, indulge in it, like be satisfied by it, eat it slowly, because then you won't feel like you need it again or crave it again. You'll like be able to maximize the experience, optimize it, treat yourself to it and move on. But the notion of cheating is so bad. And honestly, people like have cheat meals and then people have cheat days this okay. was a topic i wanted to address so <laughs> because i think it this is like probably like um like developing an eating disorder like having a cheat day like once a week or something but but share your yeah. thoughts with us on that so. Definitely. well first of all as a registered dietitian who's like studied you know lab work and everything a cheat day could be so dangerous for anyone who's at all borderline when it comes to like diabetes or high blood sugar or hypertension, high blood pressure, because having a six day period of controlled blood sugar levels and then, you know, starting with cake for breakfast and going into fries and whatever it is, is just like a wacky thing to do to your body <laughs> in terms of inflammation and all that stuff. Um, and also a lot of people say, Alana, do you ever have cheat days? 
if you if you look at it as a cheat day and you're talking like several meals, you can be talking thousands and thousands of calories. Mm-hmm. You can gain more weight in one day than you could be losing in other days, the way I did with weight loss camp and stuff like that. So you definitely don't need a whole day. Look at it as maybe a treat meal. How I like to look at it is, you know, have a great dessert. Still focus on drinking water first before your meals, filling up on that. Still focus on maybe having like a big grilled chicken salad, giving your body what it needs first, and then give your body what it wants. We, like I said in the beginning, a lot of us are volume eaters. A lot of us could take down a lot of food. And something like pizza or cake is very, very dense in calories. It doesn't take up a lot of room in your stomach. So if you're deciding to have a cheat meal of pizza and you eat a pie of pizza, it's just, it's out of control. And you're not even going to taste the difference between the fifth slice and the seventh. It all tastes the same. You're just (laughs) guzzling at that point. So I always recommend people try to fill up at least 50, 60% of their stomach, of the real estate in their body with what their body needs, with the water, with the vegetables, with the lean protein. So they actually stay full. And then of course, if you want dessert, if you want something more decadent, if you want something with more sugar, less fiber, all that stuff, have your treat. And then I have this more sure model. If you want more, sure. But then again, go back for some water, go back for some veggies, go back for some protein. These things will actually fill you up. So then when you have that second slice or third slice of pizza, you're enjoying it more. You're in a more controlled state and you're not going to feel like you ever need to have seven or eight slices again. So, you know, it's it's that extreme mentality. I think when people feel like they're entering cheat zone, they just do things that are just absurd and they realize that. They're not actually tasting like, again, like you're not going to taste the difference between a third and a fifth slice of pizza or the 20th and the 40th French fry. So it's like try to fill yourself up. So those things are actually meant for taste and they're not just, you know, for sport. People literally eat for sport. Like, look at The Rock. I mean, I love Rock. I love him more than anything. But his whole Instagram account is kind of like, you know, taking that to extreme in sports situation, which I think a lot of people think they can replicate and still look like him and they don't realize the Like he's like training like crazy and he's like six feet six or something. And (laughs) And who knows how much of that he's even eating. You know what I mean? A lot of Instagram. So yeah, I think everyone has to really just get over the notion of all or nothing and cheating and, and at least at least at the very least look at it as a treat not cheat it's amazing how one word and the change of two letters can really make a difference on just how much you actually enjoy that food yeah and and, and what i've noticed like back in the day i was also like trying the cheat meals and the cheat diet uh cheat days and um what i've noticed is that um i was eating like way more cake and like chocolate and all those things than usually like yeah. like because I was like overcompensating and what I've also noticed is that um, when people have like w- like always cravings uh, they always want to, to eat chocolate 
Like you, you are always, you always yeah. want to eat chocolate, but they always want to eat ice cream like every day, and they always want to eat cake every day. I think this is always uh, often a symptom of not eating an, uh, enough calories. For instance, like yeah. nowadays, I'm never like I have so rarely cravings uh, eating cake or eating like gummy bears, bears or something um, because I'm eating enough carbohydrates for my needs and right. uh, enough vegetables, enough protein, and so on and so forth. So. I think yeah. like a lot of people don't really realize that um, their cravings are like a symptom of not eating enough or so, eating the wrong definitely. foods. Definitely. Yeah, I have a three pillar system in my weight loss program. So what makes my program like a little different is, yes, I'm a nutritionist, I'm a dietitian, but in my private practice, you know, working with just hundreds of people at this point, I've realized nutrition is only a third of the pillar. It's nutrition. Then it's also emotion, like your mm -hmm. emotional eating, and it's also your environment. Cravings are a lot stirred by you just keep buying those cookies, True. ice cream. A lot of part of cravings is the more you eat it, the more you crave it. So, mm -hmm. you know, that's a piece. But I, it, there's definitely a nutritional piece. You know, a lot of times people will say, Alana, how come I, I just, I was so hungry and like I just, I couldn't resist myself on that cake. And I always say, you probably didn't eat enough protein. You know, sometimes mm. nutritionists will say, oh, you should eat a palm's worth of protein. I need two palms worth. Like I <laughs> eat a lot of protein to stay full and satisfied. And I think a lot of people need to give themselves more permission to eat more of the right foods because it really does crush cravings. You're so right on that. And what do you think um, are like a few things that, a lot of people believe in and they think it's the truth but actually like m most people don't really realize that it's a complete falsehood like what yeah. do you think is like common advice th that is like completely wrong oh, okay great well first of all counting calories is a very faulty system so i don't think it's bad if someone counts calories for like three months four months five months You know, there's so many calorie counting apps and it, it's probably a good idea for everyone to kind of understand that a tablespoon of peanut butter can go really wrong really fast. <laughs> you know what I mean? And like really take a chunk out of your out of your day. And the difference between a teaspoon and a tablespoon is is legit. Um, and that oil adds up and sugar adds up and that granola is really just a crushed up cookie. Um, and all those things. I think, you know, if you have any experience calorie counting, it, it doesn't hurt you to have that sense of knowledge. The problem is, is it doesn't really work. You know that food companies have a 20% deviation that's completely legal. So McDonald's- 20% didn't know that. That's so big. I, I didn't know FDA, that. Yeah, yes. That's crazy. They give food companies a 20% deviation. So McDonald's can say it's an 1,000 calorie burger and really it's close to 1,200 calories. A 100 calorie pack of Oreos could be closer to 118 because. Crazy. They, <laughs> this crazy, is like. But yeah. they, have, they give the food companies this huge leeway because of uniformity. It, you know, so how do you have all the perfect pretzels in a 100 calorie pack? It's because it could be 115, 118, 114, 95, and still be totally legal. So that's, you know, there's so many issues with calorie counting. Like that's one. The other one is that calories aren't equal. If you have 1,200 calories in donuts and 1,200 calories in 
or even 1400 calories in, you know, chicken and olive oil and, and higher fiber things and salads, you could actually lose more weight because our body forms fat from different foods in different ways. So it, it's not just about calories. So I think there's a lot of advice now all about calorie deficit. It all comes down to a calorie deficit. And it's honestly just, it's not true. Our body burns different calories differently on different days. The time of your day matters. So we burn almost twice as many calories in the first half of the day than the second half of the day. So if you're saving all your calories to go crazy on, you know, a pasta night, you're probably still not going to lose weight. So um, that's definitely something I think people need to wrap their head around that the quality of food does matter and calories are not the end all be all. Um, the next thing, you know, as you said about the cheat days that you ended up eating more ice cream than you would have. I felt that way trying intermittent fasting. Like I told, like, I will totally admit I tried it on two different occasions, like two separate weeks in the past two years, both weeks I gained weight. Um, because I, I, you should probably eat breakfast, I would say. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I did, I put my eight hours in the first half of the day because mm. I know that's when energy is burned more. And for me, that breakfast works. But still, I just found myself eating more than I would have if I just said, I can eat when I want, but eat the right things. And yeah. like going into the fasting window, I would just like eat quicker, eat more, have one last thing. So I made <laughs> sure I would stay full. And I ended up just eating more. So I think that's like something we should, you know, get out to people is intermittent fasting doesn't always work. And it can yeah. actually really mess up your relationship with food because you're not really eating for your hunger. You're eating just because um, yeah. it could work for some people. So I don't want to denounce that. That's probably the next point is not only are you going to lose weight or get, you know, healthier, gain more muscle different than your friends and family, you're going to do it differently than you might have in the past. And I think people need to wrap their head around that. You know, I work with a lot of women going through menopause or post-menopause or post-babies and all of that stuff. It's just different. Like you're not, if you're doing a different workout, if you're five years older than you were before, stop trying to replicate what worked before or what worked with someone else. Just, you know, really just honor and respect where you are now and make the absolute most of it because there's always something you can do. There's always something you can do to lose weight. And if you keep trying something that isn't working, then you got to try something new. And my program and my book is like filled with, okay, like you want to break through this plateau. You got to try this now. You got to try this because I lost a hundred pounds. I had to change it up constantly in order to keep hitting the next bracket. And I think people just, you know, beat themselves up. It's not working. It's not working. You're not trying enough. You're not mm. working. You're not, you're focused too much on that. It's not working and not enough on what you need to change to make it start working. Very powerful advice. I really, really loved this episode. This this was amazing. So um, at the end, I always ask five questions to every podcast guest. But uh, before I ask those five questions, like what would be your best advice on diet, nutrition, exercise, and all those good things? Like what would you tell our listeners right now? Yeah. 
Well, you know, my my number one catchphrase, water first, veggies most, the four words that are just going to save us all. Um, <laughs> always drink water first prior to your meals, especially if you're like Hardy and I and you like to eat a lot of food. We don't drink enough water. We always think we're hungry for food. And really, it's like we don't realize how much more water we need to be drinking, especially if it's hot summer months, more stress, more exercise, you need even more water. So always start every meal and every snack with 16 ounces of water, um, about half a liter, and that will help you fill up and make better food eating choices. So more water, more weight loss, drink more water first. Uh, and then veggies most. Nobody can sustain a healthy weight loss who actually likes eating without enjoying veggies. I know a lot of people are here and they're like, no, 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 I'll just cut out sugar, I'll just cut out carbs and I'll focus on lean proteins and high fat. That will only work for so long. If you study populations of the world who have the greatest health, stay the leanest for the absolute longest duration of their long, healthy lives, they eat and embrace veggies. So. You might be out there like, you know, making faces and wanting to deny it. But the sooner you accept the fact that veggies are a part of life and you find recipes to make broccoli, asparagus, cauliflower, nachos, you make these things taste good and satisfying and easy for you, the better your health will be. So water first, veggies most. <laughs> Where can people uh, connect with you on the social webs, buy your program, uh, buy your yeah. book and so on and so forth? For sure. Um, I'm. On TikTok, I'm Nutrition Babe, big on TikTok. Uh, on Instagram, it's Alana Molstein RD. My book is where all books are sold, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and so forth. Uh, the book is called You Can Drop It, and the audio book is coming out uh, this summer too. And my program is called To Be Mindset. Got it. So um, the first out of the five question is, uh, what are the three books that had the greatest influence on your life? That was such a hard question. Um, <laughs> well, first of all, I just want to plug that if you do have, if you're interested at all in nutrition, I really think my book would be on that list for a lot of people. I think it, it's really very eye-opening. Every page kind of has a little shock value. So my book is called You Can Drop It. Um, but that's not one of mine, obviously. Uh, one of my favorite books is The Blue Zones. So by Dan Buettner, and he basically studies the seven areas of the world of people with the greatest health and longevity. And it's, you know, it's so fascinating hearing what they do and how different that is than paleo cheat meal and all of that. You know, it's such mm -hmm. a great way of living and these people live such great lives. So the blue zones, power of habit. I think that's a book like kind of everyone needs. I have it here by Charles Duhigg, you yeah, know, realizing, how much, yeah, realizing just how much, habits part of our life atomic habits is kind of like the newer version but the power of habits very good and uh the yellow star is a book um it's a holocaust book but my uh grandfather was actually in the holocaust and he's one of the boys spoken about in the stories of that book Amazing. and so that yeah that always gives me like this huge sense of groundedness and resilience and appreciation for things especially in 2020 you know everyone complaining about staying home and stuff like that. Sometimes you need to read and study different times and different struggles and like real serious struggles of people's lives. And then you realize your current situation is so Nothing. bad and you're stronger 
than you think. And we're designed to take on super strong and difficult and challenging times. So that that always helps. Love this. Uh, second question. What are the three movies that you have enjoyed the most? You know, this is going to sound so bimbo. <laughs> <laughs> like Clueless, Mean Girls, Legally Blonde. I mean, these are movies <laughs> every single day. But now um, being at home, Trolls. It's a uh, Trolls is the animated movie with Justin Timberlake and Anna Kendrick. Obviously, I watch because my daughter is obsessed with it, who's five years old. But I think everyone would like Trolls. It's such a good movie and has the best soundtrack. <laughs> um, third question is, uh, what is the most useful product or service that you have bought in recent memory? I actually am doing this course now. Um There's a woman named Amanda Francis. You should have her on the show. She's amazing. And she, her nickname is the money queen. She helps people make money and uh, really work on their money mentality makeover, which is the course I'm taking now. I interviewed her for my podcast. She actually did my program, which I was like really honored because she's such a successful, a brilliant woman. And so now I'm taking her course on money mentality makeover And she, she has you really go into the depths of your childhood and your relationship with money and how it's, you know, skewed your belief system around money and everything. It's very powerful and interesting. So I've been liking that a lot. Fourth question is, uh, what are the most important revelations that you've had in the last couple of years? And and, I, and, and and it, it yeah. could be about anything. Like people mentioned like deeply uh, personal things about their family life, relationships, travel. So speak about anything or feel comfortable sharing with us. I think my biggest revelation is that like uh, just I think just patience and patience and just long term thinking. I think the more successful a person is like my private clients who are super successful, the people like you who I'm, you know, honored to be able to speak to. It's a very calm and long-term perspective they have on life. And it's not a short-term reactive impulsive mindset. And I think that really inspires me constantly. Just don't be impulsive. Don't be reactionary. Don't think I gained 10 pounds. Now I need to, you know, cut out X, Y, and Z and go crazy. It's going to backfire. You have to think slow and steady really wins the race. And, and, and you have to breathe deep and zone out and look at your life as, as, you know, from an outside perspective with less emotion in order to make much more rational, logical, and strategic moves in your life. So I think some of the books I mentioned, even the blue zones, like really focusing on nutrition as a, as a long-term play and, and everything else definitely helps. Um, and, and it, it, you know, now in, you know, semi-quarantine 2020, whatever we're in, it definitely helps as a parent, you know, because if your kids are just cranky temper tantrums, you can't just yell and scream. It doesn't help anyone. So I think that's the biggest revelation I've had is, you know, try to take deep breaths, slow and steady wins the race. Nothing gets solved in one moment. Everything <laughs> is kind of a system 
and and it's more about building the system and seeing the progress along the way, checking in, making sure the system is in place rather than trying to recreate dramatic changes every moment. Powerful. Um, last question for today is, what would you tell uh, what would you tell your twenty year old self? You know, a lot of people when they get asked questions like this, they're always like, "Calm down, <laughs> life will work out, don't be so paranoid." Yeah. But you know, when it's really successful people saying that, it kind of irks me because it's like, if you didn't feel a constant sense of energy and urgency, you wouldn't get where you are today and be asked that question. So <laughs> I've always been super energetic, super goal oriented, and all, I love always learning. So I would tell my 20 year old self, like, keep pushing, keep crushing, <laughs> don't relax, don't be complacent, <laughs> you know? It's like the opposite, I think, of what totally the opposite of most people. Yep. The Everyone's like telling 20 year olds they should calm chill down. out. Yeah. Relax more. Spending way too much time now on like TikTok and, and gaming and stuff like that. Put it down, get focused, get serious, put the time in because everyone else is relaxing. So you always have to have like a sense of urgency, take hold. I'm like so proud of the fact that by 30, I like had something trademarked and I actually sold the trademark. By 32, I had a best-selling book. You know, create these benchmarks for your life. Be You now are young and energetic. Don't waste it. Push and network and be good to people, be kind to people and plant the seeds for your whole life. Do not slow down at 20. That's when you should be you don't have obligations. You don't have kids. Like, you know, find your passion, study, 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 and get to it. The world <laughs> needs you. The world needs you to make change. So don't relax. <laughs> get so, uh, Thank you so, so much for this episode. This was really a great, 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 great episode. So, thank you um, yeah. for having me. Thank you so much for making this happen. And yeah, anytime. <laughs> of course, be well. Have a good one.